Hello and welcome to another edition of Interviewing, an interview with an ex-player. I'm delighted to be joined by a cult hero who made 222 appearances, scoring 38 goals in a process, Robert Wilson. How are you doing, Rob? Hi, good afternoon. Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Very well. Good, good. Um, so let's just get straight into it. You made your debut away at Blackburn in January 1980 at the age of 18. How special was that moment for you after growing up supporting the club as a boy? Yeah, obviously. I mean, I was an apprentice from 77 to 79 and uh, I was lucky enough to endure the the last year of George Best and, and Rodney Marsh, obviously playing in the first team. I was a I was privileged to be cleaning uh, George's boots for a, for one season, um, which Fulham at that time was, you know, was a bit of a razzmatad type club back in the, <laughs> the late seventies with the likes of them too, and obviously Alan Mallory and Peter Story and Bobby Moore, and you know we'd had some world class players represent us in them sort of late late seventies uh, years. So yeah, did my two year apprenticeship, obviously. Um, Managed to get a professional contract. Bobby Campbell was first team manager. Um, you know, it was, as I say, it was an FA Cup tie away from home in January. Uh, I remember him telling me two days before the game that um, I was going to be making my debut on Saturday and he wanted me to do a man-marking job on Howard Kendall, who was the player manager of Blackburn. <laughs> so that was my sole role, is to stop Howard Kendall um making Blackburn play. Uh, and to be fair, I, I must have done a good job because we, we got a draw away from home. Uh, and then we, I think we beat him in the replay the following, well, not the following Tuesday, it would have been the Tuesday afterwards. So, yeah, it was a, it was a nice debut. It's um, obviously, God rest his soul, Howard's left, uh, left us many, many years ago and came up him against him when he was manager at Everton when I was at Luton. But uh, yeah, so that was my debut. Great for my family. Uh, my mum and dad and my brothers all were up there on that Saturday watching us on a cold, cold, cold winter's day in in, in Ewood Park. It was um, yeah, it wasn't the wasn't the greatest game to be uh, watching. I preferred a home game, but yeah, it was the start of um, you know my affinity with Fulham, which continues to this day. Yeah, it's, it's I don't think it's I've ever been up to Lancashire and it's ever been warm. It's always been cold and miserable. Um, yeah, <laughs> well, no, well, the, rec- the, the recent uh, hot weather we've had in all over the country, I'm sure the north, you know, I mean, God, we, uh, I don't know if you were there, but I went to Wolves last week and it was the hottest day in my footballing playing career and watching football career. I've never been as uncomfortable. And for them to play them, they had to see these. Um, heat things on the side of the pitch that went off just before the game, you know, like some razzmatazz and music. Oh, God, it nearly that took That was up. crazy. It was. And we were literally 15, 20 yards away because we were in row three and four. And then it was, it was, oh. it was unbelievably stifling. And how in this day and age, they, they thought that would be a good idea to, because we obviously were in the sun, the whole, whole game, Fulham fans. But <laughs> yeah, that, that was the hottest day of my, of my career, both playing and watching. So, um, yeah, the, the, I'm sure in Blackburn that particular day would would have been a hot day and not not what we endured back in January of 1980. But yeah, going back to the original question, yeah, it was a fantastic um, starting point in my in my footballing career, and obviously it was one to to savour being a, a Fulham, you know, homebred Fulham player. Was the uh, the whole family or the whole immediate family Fulham? 
<clears throat> or were no. there a few other Chelsea? <laughs> uh, unfortunately, no, they were all Chelsea. Uh, my dad was a Chelsea fan. He did used to take me to, to Chelsea. He used to lift me over the turnstiles in, in the old shed. Um, my older brother, Pat, was a Chelsea fan and still is to this day. My younger brother, Tony, he is a season ticket holder at Chelsea. And my other brother, Mark, who lives out in Spain, he, he, he wasn't really into football, but I think he did shy on the... Um, Shy on the Chelsea side. My mum was the only one that really, you know, stuck by me and was Fulham. And I had an uncle that took me to West Ham every other week on the train um, back in the day when I was sort of 12, 13. He was a West Ham fan, so he used to take me there just to just for to get me out for the day. But yeah, no, it was only my mum really that um, was a was a was a bit of a Fulham fan. The rest of the family were Chelsea. But they, to be fair, they I didn't convert them, but they, you know, they never. They, they never did not watch me because it was, you know, because it was Fulham. But my dad travelled all around the country, even though he didn't drive. We made sure he got on the coach or the train. Obviously, he worked for the train, so tra- travel was free. So, you know, he followed my career up and down the country, even without a car, and, and as did, um, you know, some of my brothers, in especially in the bigger games. And um, So, yeah, it, it's, um, and to this day, my mum still lives in Fulham. I've just spent the weekend down there um celebrating my niece's 18th um, birthday. So we had a really good family get-together get on Saturday. Unfortunately, I had to be at the party by half past four to surprise them. So um, I couldn't even go to the to the Brentford game, which we, we did watch um, We did watch on telly, me and my son. Uh, and my son and my grandson, are, as you well know, are very big Fulham fans. And my son has been brought up as a Fulham fan since day one. And he travels the country home and away with me in most games. And my grandson, Tommy, now, Tommy was named after Tom Gurney. He, he's, he loves him and, and, you know, he loves Fulham. So, um, yeah, it's, um, we're carrying on the tradition in the, in the Wilson family, better than probably my dad and my brothers did. It's a good job that your mum, you know, helped you see the light. And for us as, as a Fulham fan and a Fulham family, it's a good job that we... Uh, you did support Fulham. You managed to play for the club and have such an impact um, throughout the time as a Fulham player. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I grew up in, in Fulham as well, pretty much. Um, and I know growing up, it's just littered with Chelsea fans everywhere. Um, well, a lot of it anyway. So, yeah, my mum and dad did a good thing as well in making me support Fulham <laughs> and, not, <laughs> and not them lot yet down there, the other side of Without Fulham. Right? <laughs> definitely, definitely. So, the... the one of the biggest topics um, I'm guessing throughout your time as a Fulham player, and you probably get asked this a lot. So Saturday, the 14th of May, 1983, um, obviously was, was Derby away. Um, you got kicked by a fan. It just, I watched a few clips on YouTube and I've spoken to my dad and a few other Fulham fans about what their memories were. Um, if you could just talk to me about that day um, and what were your memories from it? Yeah, um, yeah, it does get it does get brought up on many a concourse all over the country, both <laughs> uh, both away games and and and, and Johnny Ainstand and Putney or Amersmith End, wherever I'm speaking. And you know, obviously, um, it's it, it, it was a it was a frustrating time. We you know we that season we had a fantastic team, as you probably well know, and I'm sure your dad will talk to you many times about it. You know, we we lost. You know, we were going for a promotion. We were. We were way up there when we played Leicester at home four weeks before that. Unfortunately, we lost 1-0 and then they were starting to catch us. We were 12 points clear with about six or eight games to go and we were slowly 
blowing it, if I were totally honest. <laughs> um, and then we went to Derby on that last game of the season and it was out of our hands, really. We had to win to have an opportunity of getting promoted. Um, Derby needed to win to stay up because they were in a relegation battle. I think we took possibly over five, four or 5,000 there to the away game. Uh, all my, I took a coach of about 40 people, uh, all my family, uh, all went up on the coach. Um, you know, even though it was out of our hands, we knew what we had to do was to just go out there and try and win the game. And if, if results went our way and, and Leicester didn't get a, a win, then, you know, we'd, we would have gone up, but um, it was a strange atmosphere from the day we arrived at the ground. It was, you know, Derby was quite a, a vocal sort of team in them days. They had some, you know, they had Archie Gemmell playing, Kenny Burns, they had a few, you know, full well-known stars playing there. And it was um, a very intimidating atmosphere just in the build-up to the warm-up. Obviously, the in them days, they still had the fences up. Um, so we were playing the game and, and, and again, it was... We had a youngish side with a few experienced players, but um, it got to the better of us. I think, you know, the game wasn't going our way and we, we were making an odd chance in here, but we were still in the game. And then I think going into the second half, they scored. They scored. I can't think it was Bobby. Someone scored for them and sent it forward from a corner. And we were 1-0 down and there was still about 20, 25 minutes to go. And we'd have a couple of half chances and we were still in the game. And then it was about 15 minutes to go, like, I could see that there were people around the side of the pitches and like the, the gates were all open down the side of one side and then the behind the goal. And it just started to come onto the pitch, like literally onto the pitch, 10 yards inside the pitch. If the ball was up the other end, you'd look round and they were literally five to 10 yards onto the pitch, just, just swarming down from the terraces. And I, I can remember long before or wait, minutes before I eventually was running down the line using my athletic pace <laughs> as not. <laughs> um, you know, I had the ball in the corner. It was a bit of a build-up play, and, uh, and I was running around the left-hand side. I, I actually did a little bit of a dummy, and looked like a, a foot over ball. And next minute, this guy comes out of the crowd. I was literally probably four yards inside the, inside the, inside the touchline. And I just from the corner of my eye, I see this guy came out and just sort of like do like a kung fu kick and caught me on my side of my bum or my hip. And I was just shocked and I turned and stopped. And obviously the linesman was literally three yards away from him. The linesman was in my view. And I, I've watched the footage many, many times as we do. And I can just, I just stand there and I point to the guy, obviously, because the referee comes running over there, defender tells them to calm down. Ray Lou is straight on the scene. I think I can remember <laughs> Lou being next to me and it was just amazing. And, uh, and like the kid went back into the, into the crowd, but I, I knew which kid it was. I, I don't know what happened after that. The referee just dropped the ball down and we carried on playing. And that was literally seven, eight minutes to go still. Uh, and, and we continued to, to be playing under that intimidation, the whole of them last 15 minutes, which, we were one down. We needed to score two goals, and uh, and that's as as that's up to that incident. And then the incident, obviously, of finishing the game ninety seconds short. I think it was a. I think Jerry Payton had a goal kick, and the referee had blown for a to, to take the goal kick. And then you know, obviously, ten thousand supporters run onto the pitch thinking it was at the end of the game. So by that time, we were trying to scramble to get to the tunnel. Jeff Hopkins got assaulted. His, ship, his shirt ripped off his back. Um, we all got 
you know, basically kicked, punched as, as quick as we could get to the tunnel. Um, Malcolm had been there, obviously, if you see the footage, he, he was there for the last 15 minutes talking to the police saying, you know, we, uh, we can't play in these circumstances. And it was just unbelievable if you saw pictures of him and Ray Arthur with their arms in their air just saying, now is this game not being abandoned or... And, and and it was mayhem. It was absolutely mayhem. To be fair, Derby fans, uh, Derby's players, and all that. You know, they were, we had nothing but you know there was nothing against them. We got inside the ground, got inside the changing rooms, and there, there was mayhem kicking off, and not between players and, and us. It was just just the intimidation that we felt by the club or the supporters. So um, they all got calmed down five or ten minutes. I can remember the referee coming in and getting Malcolm and their manager, which I think was Taylor. Um, and then the superintendent into the referee's room and basically Malcolm was saying, well, you know, the referee admitted that the game hadn't finished. There was still 90 seconds to go. So it was still incomplete. And the rules said at that time you had to play night, you know, had to play a full 90 minutes. It was his last game of the season. The superintendent said there was no way he could get 10,000 supporters off the pitch. Um, so it was basically, that was it. So, you know, we've, God, we were obviously disappointed. Um, we knew we'd, you know, we'd lost a chance of getting into the first division, the Premiership as it is today. Um, and with the young side that we had, I'm sure we've all we would have gone on and done fairly well. Um, I went to the hearing the following week. There was an emergency hearing up in Blackpool, so me and Jeff went up with Ernie Clay, our solicitor, Malcolm McDonald, a few other. Fulham uh, staff just to plead with them to say, well, look, you know, we need a replay here because obviously, um, you know, we we were pleading that it just, it was unfair circumstances that we were, you know, you can score two goals in two minutes. You can kick off, score, kick off, score. So it wasn't impossible that would have, wouldn't have stopped us, but it wasn't just the 90 seconds. It was the 15 minutes of intimidation that we had for that last um, you know, that, that last 15 minutes and unbeknown to me and I spoke to my family afterwards and you probably know the stories of the, the pig's head being thrown into the away end and the, the, the fighting that went on before the game, outside the ground at the train stations, before the game, after the game. Our, our fans endured some very hostile um, receptions when they arrived and, and both when they left. So it was, uh, it was a very sad day in my career, um, but one that, in hindsight, if I were totally honest, and, and I'm always being honest, you know, we blew it. We shouldn't have had ourselves in this situation in material. What, what intimidation we, you know, that, that, that promotion should have been wrapped up long before we went to Derby on that last game. But unfortunately, it wasn't. Now, <clears throat> regarding the incident, there, there's two things I want to sort of say really is before you get kicked by the fan, I've watched the video back a few times like yourself, I'm pretty sure you should have had a free kick on the edge of the box. I'm pretty sure you get tripped up by one of their defenders before you actually take the ball to the corner and then get kicked. Yeah. Um, and secondly, when you got back into the changing rooms, well, after being assaulted by a lot of not very nice people, this is a family show, I can't say what I want to say. Um, what did Malcolm McDonald say to say to the team? Did he have a chance to actually speak to you all after the game, or was it sort of just get out of there as quick as possible? And then uh, it was um, in terms of the incident. Yeah, I think I'd got clipped by someone. I don't know if it was Archie Gemmell. Just uh, previous to that, when I'd just gone towards the box, and I think I end up 
sort of going out to the left-hand side, I think that's when when eventually I did that little bit of a dummy and, and was just about to go past that defender and, and, and the guy comes out of the crowd and kicks me. Um, in terms of Malcolm, yeah, what I can remember, it, it was absolutely mayhem when we got back in them change rooms. Everyone were, you know, Jeff was obviously screaming his head off. He'd had punch scratches all over his face, his back. His, uh, obviously, it was just, we were in shock, I think, for the first sort of 10, 15 minutes until Malcolm came back in and said, you know, the superintendent says that he cannot get the supporters off the pitch. The game is going to be officially uh, finished, but even though it's not technically unfinished, um, and along the lines of, you know, listen, we've um, we'll have to take it into our own hands and, and and speak with the club where we would need to go next. So we had a we had a bit of a an end of season do arranged that night. I can remember going to it, but we were all so flat. All my family went. It was in Kingston somewhere. All the players and the families we got back to the ground, and we went to this sort of what we thought was going to be a hopefully a promotion party, but ended up being more of a, um, like a, I don't know. It was, it was, it was an in shot type party because we still didn't know whether we were going to have an opportunity to try and go up or if we were totally honest, we'd, you know, we'd blown it and we, you know, we hadn't done what we thought we were going to do. So, but we ended up, I think, having a, having a, having a few drinks and just chilling out and waiting until the Monday until the club contacted us all. And said, right, well, I think there was an emergency hearing in Blackpool somewhere or Preston, I can't remember, um, at the Football League. It was on the on the Wednesday or the Thursday. And I remember going up in the uh, in the train with Malcolm and, and, and as I say, at least six or eight other people from the club with the briefcases and all the evidence and footage and hoping that they would see that, you know, see what we saw, you know. But unfortunately, they kicked it out. And, um, you know, obviously in the current climate and even probably from 30 years ago, if that happened anywhere it happened now, you'd, in the game would be abandoned straight away. And, you know, you'd either be awarded the game or, you know, I don't know, but it was it set a precedent, I think, for the future league rules and, you know, the and, and the referee admitted it, it, it was still 90 seconds ago. It was his last game in the season. You know what I mean? And... He really should have dealt with it a bit better during the 15 minutes to go scenario. He should have took us all off the pitch, made the club, the announcer, or made the club shut them gates. It was tradition that they did that at every last home game for Derby. It was quite well known that the gates got opened about 10, 15 minutes to go so fans could come to the side and run on like they did every last home game for previous years. Um, and obviously with them beating us and obviously securing their place of staying up, uh, and denying us an opportunity of going up, then um, you know it was it was just the norm to them, you know, but obviously not to us. Have you? Um, how many times have you been back as a fan? I've been back to the new ground probably twice, I think. Yeah, definitely twice, maybe three. Um, so yeah, it's obviously you know it's not it's not the old old ground, but yeah, it's it's still as the Twitter feeds always come to fruition when we're playing Derby and obviously when we beat them in the, in the semis and, and, and you know, and even Sky zoomed in on me that night at Fulham when we were at the, the home leg. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's always been a, you know, a, a grudge game in my eyes. Not that, um, you know, it, uh, I think 
well, as far as I, as far as I'd led to believe, the following season, and I'm not sure how true this is, but the following season, I think they got footage of the guy that kicked me and allegedly get uh, banned him for life. But I've never had that confirmed or denied by anyone from Derby or anyone. It was just a rumor that was Certainly. sent to me by someone. But um, so yeah, so you know, as much as um, I had lots and lots of great days in a Fulham shirt. That was probably the saddest day of my career um, out of them 222 games. But the bottom line is, and I always say this to fans, and you know, it's we could have, we you know, we we blew it ourselves. So we, we only have ourselves to blame. Even though everyone talks about that day, you know, we as young, as young and older players, we just took, you know, we just we we had the same sort of team every week. You know, we just fell short. I don't know if you remember, your dad will remember. We um, we'd obviously lost to Leicester, then we beat Carlisle at home. I think I scored two. Then we went to Sheffield Wednesday on the Saturday, and I scored. We were one nil up, and then they Mick Lyons scored in the last minute to make it one all. And then we went on the bank holiday Monday to play QPR on the plastic pitch, and Ray Lou got sent off after twenty minutes on the bank holiday Monday. That was before the derby game. Um, and we lost three, three nil, I think, or three one. So you know, we we the last five, six games, we just I don't think we won one game. Well, we won one game out of six, I think. So you know, in hindsight, we've only got ourselves to blame. But obviously, there's lots of talking points along the way, and Derby obviously being one of them. Yeah. So you mentioned that was probably one of the worst days as you know being a footballer. What would you say was Probably the proudest moment of your career as a footballer. Um, standing on the cottage drinking champagne after we beat Lincoln <laughs> the, pre- the previous season, and that last game again, a, a game your dad and many older Fulham fans all the night we beat Lincoln in '82, May '82 would have been the previous season, obviously mm. the year before the the derby game where. We uh, we went up on the last last game of the season. Again, we we nearly blew it. We drew one all, um, and it was a game that was cancelled from the January and wasn't played till the till the May. And, and about a week or ten days after the season had finished, it was a strange scenario. Um, and we we went one nil up, and then they scored one all. They had a guy sent off the centre half, and then we cleared one off the line with five minutes ago. They said there was about 20,000 in, in the cottage or, or the ground that day. But, I mean, I talked to people and family were there. Honestly, there must have been 25,000. It was it was, just looked like it was a breaking point every stand. <laughs> um, and it was, yeah, it was a fantastic evening. Was, <clears throat> I've got lovely pictures of <clears throat> Roger Brown, Strongy, me, Gordon, Ray Lou, you know, I mean, standing on the cottage just drinking champagne and cheering with all the fans and, a picture of Roger Brown smoking a cigar in the change room after the game, and that's an iconic yeah, that picture. A, that one, yeah, it was a great, um, a great evening. Uh, we continued, we continued it well into the, uh, well into the the next the morning and day. So um, yeah, it was, um, it was, um, yeah, very, very, very proud day. Obviously, making your debut is nice, but to win promotion um, was was nice. And again. Being Fulham, being Fulham, we nearly blew it again, you know. So <laughs> it was a typical Fulhamish type evening. Um, but the older generation who were there that night, and you know, they'll they'll talk about it for for years and years. So, 
So yeah, it, it, nine times out of ten for for a 50, 60 year old, they'll, they'll always talk about Lincoln, always talk about Derby. You know, they won't talk about Grimsby away on a Wednesday night when it was minus five when they were probably there on the on the coach with Mary Doughty on you know on all the old school and as yeah, the, there's a, the legends as I call them the old gits that I'm on the WhatsApp <laughs> group with. Uh, they're all you know that I see them at most games. So um, and again that that's that's in from a playing point of view, from a from a watching point of view. As I've always been a fan, even when I'm retired, even when I was playing for other clubs, Fulham was the first team or result I would look for, even when I wasn't playing for them in them two spells. Um, you know, the Europa season, I was there the night of Juventus at home on a Thursday. Me and my son used to travel down every two weeks for the Europa games down, drive 400 mile round trip just to watch the game and drive back. And then we obviously we went, we went, we went abroad a few games. We went to, I couldn't go to the final because my daughter was getting married on the, uh, on the Saturday. And it was a time, if you remember, it was the ash cloud and it was uh, problems with flights and all that. And she wouldn't let me fly. So, um, we ended Coach. up watching the, watching there were the final on for that, wouldn't there? What, sorry? There was coaches laid out by the club. Yeah, there was, yeah, but she wouldn't even let no. me and my son go on that because <laughs> the coach wasn't getting back till literally the, uh, on the a Friday before. <laughs> yeah, Friday before. She was getting married on the Friday. It was getting back on a Thursday night, Friday or something like that. So it was, uh, well, obviously, you know, it's your daughter, so you didn't want to miss her wedding as well. But um, so, yeah, I remember as we had actually, uh, we had a, the night of the final, we were in the village in Huddersfield where they were getting married because we were having like a um, a meeting with the priest and all that. So we went to the local pub to watch it um, with a load of fam- family and friends. And obviously, again, a night that we've, you know, two or three minutes away from penalties. And, you know, it was just one game too far, but what a fantastic season and what a spell that, you know, when Roy was in uh, in charge and, you know, going back previously under Keegan and uh, I was at Huddersfield when we won promotion in 2001 or 2000, yeah. 2001 or, yeah, yeah. Um, behind the goal with, you know, lots of, lots of the guys who are still watching today. So yeah. The, and the two championship finals at Wembley flew back from Spain early three days from the last one, two years ago. So yeah, lots of happy, happy memories of watching as well as playing, um, and 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 now we're back in the Premiership. It's great, you know. Obviously, um, you know we've had a fantastic start in terms of the Liverpool and Wolves, and and then obviously beating the the Hounslow crew the other day. It's um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's it, we've started very well. So you know the signs are there. I think we've got much stronger in depth squad this time round out of the the so-called up and down um, yo-yo four years we've had. So I'm quite optimistic that we'll, we'll, we'll survive comfortably this season. I hope so. It's about time we've, um, we've got back to where we belong. Um, but one thing I would like to know is you played with some, some Fulham greats, you know, over the engine, uh, Ray Alton, Tony Gale. Which one player stands out for you that you look at and go, yeah, he was the best I played with? Um, always a, oh yeah, always a difficult question. Um, and always a, a tentative answer because, um, you know, as you just mentioned yeah. three or four there, but I played with some, some, you know, stalwarts in, you know, legends of the game and legends of Fulham, obviously Gordon Davis, Les Strong, you know, two legends that are doing legends lounge now, you know, so they must be legends of Fulham because they've represented the club so many times. And 
I were fortunate to play under them, the same as Gailey and same as Roger Brown, God bless his soul. Um, but the one player that I always thought that made them two or three years at that time and obviously went on to have a great career was Ray Outen. To get him on a free transfer from West Ham, he changed us when he came to the, that season to us after we got promoted after the Lincoln game. He didn't play in that season. He, he came the season of the, the first the derby, the derby season um, and went on to be... You know, went on to have a fantastic career himself elsewhere from Fulham, but you know, could have been with Fulham if we'd have got promoted in that infamous derby game. So, yeah, Ray was a you know, he was a mate of mine. He lived he lived on he lived in the same village, just around the corner from me. So we were good pals. But yeah, I always thought he was a great signing. Um, and in terms of you know, lots of other players that I love playing with Ray Lou. Me and Ray Lou had a fantastic relationship both on and off the pitch, and I played alongside him for. For, for three, four years. And when he came back as player manager, he, he ended up asking, he got me to come back the second time when I was at Luton, um, when he took over as a player manager in his first in. So um, again, he, he'd be one that, you know, I look at Harrison Reed now and it just reminds me of Ray Lou back in the day, you know. Is it the hair? Yeah, the hair, just <laughs> same style. Both busy, both get stuck in, both just keep it simple with a passing, you know. Um so yeah, I, I, there's, there's lots to mention. Um, Say so I, I, and then there were the people like Sean O'Driscoll that went unnoticed. You know, I, he had a nickname of Noisy because he was so quiet. But you know, he was he was a player that brought a lot to the club and, and, and that regular starting eleven that we had. Um, so yeah, there's, there's there's lots to mention. But say if what if, if I said what was the the best player, I wouldn't say best, but I thought yeah. the most influential player would be Ray Houghton in them two or three seasons. Yeah, I've got a, a friend um, who I speak to quite a lot. She's, uh, her name's Darlene, I'm sure. You know, if you've run Twitter oh, yeah, yeah. a few times, yeah, yeah, absolutely obsessed with him. And to be fair, I can <laughs> see why. Just watching some of the videos. I remember watching some highlights of when we beat was it Newcastle. Newcastle, yeah, when he scored that chip, yeah, yeah, when and he, he chipped him, chip, yeah, and he's he's loop passing and give and goes, and yeah, yeah it was uh, it was good at that. It was it was a, I don't know, I bet West Ham regretted letting him go on a free transfer back in that 82-83 season, eighty two eighty three, yeah, and he obviously went on to have a fantastic career at Liverpool, or Oxford first, obviously, and then to Liverpool, to Villa, to Palace. And I still keep in contact with him now. We're all on a legends group. There's, there's about 30 of us, all the ex-players. We're all keeping contact. We've actually just organised a we get where we're all meeting in in London in a in a in Italian in Knightsbridge on October the 28th, on Friday the 28th. Terry Mancini, Mike Kelly, and all the players were all meeting together. I haven't seen any of some of them for 30 years. So there's about 28 of us all meeting for a Friday afternoon before the Everton game on on the 28th of October for a, for a get-together, a chinwag and a few beers. So that should, should be an interesting day. <laughs> well, I hope you all have a, a fantastic time. Um, and it's, you know, players, ex-players like yourself. And for me as a fan, I see you. I think the, one of the first times I remember seeing you face-to-face was at the Irish Embassy Bar in Krakow um, when we oh, played yeah. Vizsla Krakow away in the Europa League. Um, yeah, yeah. That was one of my first memories of actually seeing you and actually meeting you. And, you know, as a fan seeing, you know, maybe I was too young to see you play, but when, when I speak to my dad and speak to his friends, your name's someone that pops up quite a lot. Um, so, you know, thank you so much for giving me your time to, you know, come in on the pod today and 
you know, thank you for everything you've done for Fulham. And I'm sure I'll see you at an away game or a home game sometime soon. Um, oh, most definitely, yeah. As I say, <laughs> bump into your dad many a time under the under the Johnny Ains and, and, and yourself and, and your son as well. So, uh, yeah, I've, I always have time to talk to fans. You know, I, I love meeting, talking about old times. And even younger fans now, you know, even though their dad might, the younger fans of the dads might have known me, but um, so yeah, it's never it's never too much hardship for me to talk to to to, to, to punters, whether it's before the game, half time, after the game, do photos, interviews, autographs. It, you know, to me, it's that's part of being a footballer. I know it's slightly different with the current crop um, in terms of their. Uh, you know where they're at and how made difficult but it's you know it I don't know no different than you know we would go around to the players bar after a game or supporters bar and have a drink with them straight away I mean that doesn't happen now you know for whatever reasons it just doesn't happen um in some some circumstances I could understand it but you know I still think you know the likes of you know, when you get the likes of Barry and Sean that still go to the golden line like I do and you know and you can stand comfortably and talk to to, to, to supporters and you know just make their day or, or just have a chat and just be a fan because that's what we all are you know as ex-Fulham players um, there's not many that do what you know what we would do because we're, we're following our club but you know some just come and go they might have a year or two years or three years but Fulham's always been a family club and being a local boy and coming from Parsons Green representing my, my club there's not many went on to do that so I'm 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 on a I'm on a, a nice uh, list of players that have done that you know yeah but honestly it's been an absolute pleasure um and when next time we see you in the uh, Johnny Ainge stand um I'll buy you a beer to say thank you um oh, no, that's, and, that's very kind of you and yeah let's hope we can uh have a good good season and you know cement our place back in this league where we belong yeah, most definitely. I'm sure the, the signs are good after three games. And I think with Marco and his philosophy and his, his astute but, you know, signings he's made already, and hopefully there might be one or two before this uh, this month's out. Um, I think the the nucleus of the squad's there too. Uh, and, and we've already seen with the first three games, the, the ups and downs of some of the bigger teams. Um, you know, it's going to be a funny season this year, I think. But I think Fulham are more than equipped to... Uh, to not be in that bottom three this year come like we were the last two times we've been up and down. So, yep, uh, is onwards and upwards and um, on to Arsenal on Saturday. Oh, yes. Let's hope we can do a Leicester, right? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I put on Twitter last night, I think we'll, you know, ask, we'll give Arsenal a game. It's not going to be easy, um, but, you know, we're they've won three out of three and they're looking quite good at the moment. But, you know... Yeah. Um, I, I was slightly disappointed, and I said this the other day to someone that, you know, really we should be sitting on nine points because we, you know, we should have beat, we could have beat Liverpool. We were ten minutes ago, they get that lucky goal, a bit of a mix up at the back, but we, we dominated that game. Wolves away again, ten minutes ago, nil nil penalty. You put your house on him to score it. You know, you win one nil. You know, and then obviously Brentford, we, we, we keep battling and we, we score last minute. So, you know, we could be even though we're on five, we could could really be on nine, you know, and no one expected that with the first three games of the season. So the signs are there, but we, you no doubt we're going to, we're going to have some hurdles along the way. And the next hurdle is obviously Arsenal on Saturday tea time. So let's see what, uh, what we can do there. Yes. Well, uh, let's go for a good, a good result and starting tonight um, 
I'm way too corny. But thanks, Rob. And um, I will see you soon. And I'm sure, you know, we'll have some good results for the season ahead. Okay, yeah. Anytime you want me to come on later on the season to talk about at any stage, no problem whatsoever. I'd love to. Uh, You're a gentleman, Rob. Thank you very much. Take care. No problem. Okay. Thanking you. Thank you.